Welcome to the Emerging Minds Families Podcast. Hi, I'm Alicia Ranford and you are listening to an Emerging Minds Families Podcast. Neurodiversity refers to the natural variation in the human brain and the different ways in which we all think, learn and process information. Today, our host Ben Rogers is talking to Beck. She is a mother and stepmother to three beautiful children and is sharing with us her journey, the challenges and valuable lessons she has learned from her neurodivergent son. Beck, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ben. Beck, I wanted to start by asking you to describe what is daily life like in your household as a mum? So I'm a mum and I'm a stepmum as well. So I have a 11-year-old stepdaughter and I have two little sons. One is six, Wolfie, and my little four-year-old Arlo. They're all their own little personalities, really. Our life is so busy so so busy and I say it's predictably unpredictable like (laughs) it's you know we can plan and and routinize everything as much as possible to help things go smoothly for the kids for us but then it can just unravel because of something small I find it quite exhausting you know (laughs) it's my kids require a lot of energy my stepdaughter she's really creative she's 11 years old she's gonna go to high school next year She's an amazing artist and she's really sensitive and loving. My little boy, Arlo, he's like, I see him as like the glue in our family. He brings us all together and he's the youngest, but he is so in tune with everyone and he's looking out for everyone. And I think he's just really flexible and adaptable to everything that goes on around him. And I think he's so, he's just such a caring little man. And my middle child, Wolfie, he's super fast. He's energetic. He's always seeking stimulation and input in many different ways and he has such an enthusiasm for life he just wants to know everything he wants to be a part of everything in his world Wolfie is really curious he asks a lot of questions and then I might ask him about why he wants to know something and I won't get to know so Wolfie has taught me so much about what it like to be a parent of a neurodivergent child and he's taught me so much about neurodiversity I really before we sort of started out on this journey with Wolfie I didn't know much about this at all and it's been a massive learning journey and we still have so far to come in it but I think probably naively had this idea that we're here to teach our kids everything as parents but when it comes to it, I feel like he's taught me so much more. He's been my biggest teacher and my other children as well. But I think there's just this extra level with Wolfie because of his presence and because of his energy that he has in our family. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the things Wolfie has taught you in this journey so far? He's taught me a lot of skills or built on my skills. So I need to be a really good planner. I need to schedule things. I need to be able to prioritise things. I feel like a case manager for Wolfie and even for my family at times. And my partner, Lou, calls me the mum manager. (laughs) So there's a lot that I've learnt there. I think I've learnt a new language for sort of describing my child's experience, Wolfie's experience, which added a whole lot to my vocabulary, all this, even, yeah, the term neurodivergent. And 
I've learned about sort of navigating the system that enables the supports that we've needed for Wolfie as well. That's been a massive learning. I think I've really learned to trust my own instincts. I reflect back on even when he was a little baby and I think I knew like there was something a bit different going on for him and I'd had a friend say, oh, you've got to get this app and it's spot on and, you know, your kid will do this, your baby will do this this week and it's really helpful. So I downloaded the app and I'm sure it's a great app but perhaps not for a neurodivergent child. I think like Wolfie never aligned to what they said would be happening and he didn't throughout his sort of younger development and probably even now you know some things he's really really advanced in and then other things he really needs more support in I wished I just sort of had not downloaded that app I'll say so I've I've had to learn to more accept help and support which I haven't really been good at it doesn't come naturally I try and do things for myself but I think for any parent you do need that community around you supporting you with your kids so I have definitely learned an extra level of patience and tolerance that I didn't know was possible I think finding strength when I I feel like I've got nothing left and just sort of that's just something that has come with this and and it's really hard but I'm always up for a challenge so I think I think it's a good thing as well along the way I've had sort of these aha moments I describe them as with with Wolfie where I sort of haven't understood something that he's experiencing or some behaviors that that we're seeing and then Penny will drop or someone will just say something and I'll get a little bit of insight and I can go away and I can sort of find out more about how I can support him more and and sort of tell the people on his team that work with him to to get their support so an example of this would be about a month ago he had this really wobbly tooth and he usually has one of those chewy necklaces that he chews on it helps him regulate mostly at school he's he's chewing on that really vigorously like it helps him because he had this wobbly tooth he didn't want to chew it it hurt so he stopped that and then I'd noticed he was doing this little shuffle step kind of thing. And I just kept saying, Wolfie, do you need to go to the toilet? You know, and he's like, no, I don't need to go. I don't need to go. And he, it looks like, you know, when a kid needs to go to the toilet. So I kept asking him and he was getting more and more annoyed at me for asking him. And then one day I just said, Wolfie, what are you doing when, when you're doing that little shuffle step thing what, what's that he absolutely blew me away he was doing this sort of little pattern while he was stepping he was touching and tapping and counting as he moved through different spaces and environments and different surfaces and he had it all worked out in his head and he could explain it to me and it was really complex and I couldn't articulate it for you the way that he did and I was just like wow, I just thought about the amount of energy that he must be putting into this new sort of regulatory thing that he was doing. And he'd replaced his chewy necklace with that. And now his tooth's fallen out and he's got his chewy necklace again, but he's still doing it. And I shared this with some of his supports and his OTs now looking into like body percussion for regulation kind of stuff with him. And I just find it so interesting. Like these are things I had no concept of and it's just to know them is so helpful. He just blows me away. His mind is just incredible for a six-year-old. Beck, you mentioned the term neurodiversity. For those listening at home, could you explain that term a little bit further? And I guess in relation to... Some of the things that you might be noticing in Wolfie's daily life. 
a lot of what Wolfie has struggled with is sort of sensory processing kind of challenges. He has his preferences around that and we've worked out some of them like to do with noise and to do with light and taste and how that affects a lot of his daily functioning (laughs) as they describe it. Knowing about that is really helpful. I didn't know about sensory processing. It was a beautiful educator at his childcare who first said to us, have you heard of sensory processing disorder? I said, no, I don't know what that is. And I went away and I looked it up. And that's where I see the sort of starting point of us coming to find out what was happening for Wolfie and going down the path of a diagnosis. I suppose it's it's been over the last couple of years that we've been on this journey with Wolfie and I guess getting a diagnosis in itself is a a really sort of long process I would say for us that point that I mentioned with the educator saying oh have you heard about this this is what I'm wondering about Wolfie from that point to actually having the two separate ASD assessments autism spectrum disorder assessments completed by a pediatrician and a speech pathologist that was about a year I think that that whole process took. I found it really horrible going through that process. As an endpoint, it's good because now we have supports in place, but the diagnosis process in itself is extremely deficit focused. I can hear how challenging and difficult this process was for Wolfie and for you and the family back. What were the things that supported you through this and what guidance would you have for other families who might be in the early stages of this process themselves? I think starting to get some supports in place while you're going through the process is really helpful, but just support for you as a parent is also really important. I think, like I said, I found it really hard because it is, it's this thing about finding all these things that are wrong with your child essentially and it's not how anyone would want to see their child you want to build them up to be the best little version of themselves in the world but these assessments are a tick box of what mightn't be working out for them which you need to go through for the process and the diagnosis is a means to an end for for us it was it's enabled a lot of supports and we're so grateful for that but I don't particularly like the idea of having my child labelled and particularly as such a young little person. It's it's hard to think about, I guess. But going through the process, find supports for yourself, find supports for your child. GPs can do a chronic disease management plan, which gets sort of, I think, six or so subsidised sessions with an OT, which is what we did, which sort of saw us through with Wolfie while we were waiting for being able to see the paediatrician who did the first assessment for him. Alongside the diagnosis, we could apply for the early childhood, early intervention support through NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is a whole other thing. It's also very deficit focused going through that process. And similarly, I found that very hard. You know, one thing we're doing this ASD assessment and the the next thing we're doing this NDIS assessment. And it is like a ticker box and a lot of regurgitating the same negative stories about your child. So you need to look after yourself in that. You need to look after your own mental health as a parent so 
you can be there for your child and, and feel okay and not feel guilty that you're going through these processes and look at it as a, a means to an end, which is that you hopefully get some funding and support for your child. It sounds like the team around you and Wolfie would have been really important during that period. Can you tell me a little bit more about the team that's wrapped around you, the family and Wolfie? Yeah, absolutely. So before I talk about the team, who I guess all the the practitioners that work with Wolfie and and the more formal supports, I have to mention family and friends. My beautiful partner Lou has been here alongside me and we've been learning together. My amazing parents who we're very lucky to have live next door to us. They help us out so much and I'm eternally grateful to them. My beautiful brothers and sisters-in-law and our chosen family who are our friends who give us a lot of strength and support in all this and then all the services and all the practitioners we've engaged with so the person who's been with us through this whole journey has been Wolfie's lovely OT, occupational therapist. She's been a support for Wolfie, but I find her a support as well because she's so encouraging and she very kindly points out the things that we're doing that are really helpful for Wolfie, which I don't you know, reflect on enough, I think. Also from quite early in the piece is um, speech pathologist. She's She's been amazing. Also the family GPs that we see, they're wonderful, particularly one of the GPs at the practice because she's sort of been going on this journey herself with her own daughter. So she was really sort of personal in helping me and support me because she knew what what I was going through. We've also obviously engaged with the paediatrician and that was initially around the assessment itself but now have ongoing support and it's a lot about his development in terms of like his physical development and his diet and nutrition. So we did engage with a a feeding service, but also disengaged with it because it was too much. You know, it was one of the things that we could get some support from the paediatrician and that was enough and it wasn't too many appointments then for, for Wolfie. So the NDIS Early Childhood Intervention Coordinator that helped us fly for NDIS And we're just about, because Wolfie's going to turn seven pretty soon, we'll move out of that kind of category and have a new coordinator who's just rang me the other day. He's had other stuff going on. So he has an ENT and he's had like a a dentist that is a bit more than the usual dentist because of some of the sensory stuff. I've already mentioned his childcare that he went to and this beautiful educator that sort of helped us start out on this journey. There were many other educators that, also were really helpful and then as he moved into school his teachers and the OSH staff out of our school care staff they're such an amazing team they really get Wolfie and he loves going there there's all the student support officers at school he gets extra bits of support from he's really connected with them and just the whole um, sort of school all the staff the principal she's amazing and the community of the school I walk Wolfie into school and every kid's saying every kid knows who Wolfie is and hi Wolfie and he doesn't always respond but you know it's really nice to see that he's cared for and he might be wanting to go to school but you just get this nice feeling going in so all of that is so helpful and I consider all these people on the team and it's a massive team and 
we are so lucky. <laughs> and it sounds like, Beck, you've, as we've spoken about in the past, you've named this Team Wolfie. Can you tell us a little bit more about Team Wolfie and how you invite people into the team? Yeah. So I think I've said before, I think it was my partner, Lou, who first talked about this Team Wolfie and, and inviting people on. And it was something he did say to the OT that he wanted her to be on Team Wolfie and she would advocate you know be someone who is like a really strong person on the team and she absolutely has been and what I'll say about that and not wanting to get into things that did go wrong but there have been people who we considered inviting on and then it wasn't supportive and you know you just have to have to leave those things you have to say that's not quite the right fit and that's okay you know and you can change practitioners and it doesn't necessarily mean they're not a good practitioner. It's just they, Wolfie hasn't connected with them and that's so important. Like we can tell if someone is going to be right for Team Wolfie and he'll let us know. And I do ask him. We'd seen two different practitioners for the same kind of support. And I said, so which one do you like, Wolfie? And, and he told me and we went with that one. And <laughs> I think, you know, giving him that, that say in that is, is really important. And he was quite clear about that. It sounds like Wolfie can articulate really uh, amazing insights about his experience. Are there any other things that he's said to you that have been really interesting about what he goes through on a daily basis? One of the aha moments I had at childcare was when Lou and I went in to run an activity for NAIDOC week and all the kids were sitting around really engaged but Wolfie was running around the yard screaming and it was extremely distracting for me and I couldn't <laughs> engage myself because I was going oh, what's happening with my kid and they sort of took him inside and he didn't participate and I think after that I asked Wolfie what was happening at childcare and he said to me there's too much chatter 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 and I said oh okay what, what's what's the chatter 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 and he, we just talked about it a bit more it comes out it's it's just really noisy for him it's a very busy space there's a lot of kids there's a lot of different activities happening and from that I guess it was just seemed like such a clear way for him to explain to us his experience you know he was only three at the time I think that's really quite insightful and he wore some some earmuffs for a little while he doesn't tend to use them anymore he seems to manage with busyness and noise a little bit better I think at school but I think it is more sort of structured and it is quieter generally but yeah he'd sort of become really dysregulated if there was a lot of noise and he didn't know where to focus his attention so when he could wear some earmuffs at childcare, he could sort of shut a bit of that chatter 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 out and his day would go better for him and it's you know his language around some of the ways in which it sounds like in some of the ways he's processing the sensory information that's coming through and what that feels like for him and you mentioned how he even moved his body at different points has there been a profession or a service that's really helped to build your knowledge and your own skills around the sensory processing space and you know what's helped him you know in the education setting absolutely his ot she's she's taught me a lot like all the stuff about sensory processing about how wolfie feels in his spaces you know one of the things we have at home is a trapeze in his doorway because he loves just the feeling of swinging and hanging in space and he used to hang on me a lot like he'd 
hang around my neck. I was getting a really sore back. So she suggested, oh, why don't you get a swing or something? And he has a swing outside, but you know, when it's cold and wet, you don't want to go outside. So we put we got him this trapeze for his birthday when he turned four and hung it in his, his doorway. And it's really great. You can take it down if you want, but we never do. It's always there. And he'll come home from school and he'll just go and hang on his trapeze swing a little bit. And it's a really regulating thing for him. He loves the feeling of that. And I love watching him on it. It's just like a, a joyful thing to know that that's a nice sensation for him. How fantastic that Wolfie's found that kind of approach to help him with regulating. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about any other strategies you use at home to support Wolfie and your family's everyday life. Within our daily life, we try to have a bit of a routine, which is helpful for all my kids, I think. But for Wolfie, that means me sort of really giving all these extra descriptions about what we're doing, asking him questions in different ways, I think, providing yeah, instructions in particular ways and repeating messages too is helpful because yeah, I might say something once and I won't get a response and it might be giving him sort of like a, a visual prompt or something like that is really helpful. So I call it, I'm always doing a lot of mumsplaining to my kids. And so we have like, for Wolfie, we have this um, visual. It's like a, a week, a chart of the week. So it's got pictures of what he's doing each day of the week and what's happening around him as well. So like I said, I've got a stepdaughter and she's with us half the time. So he'll have little, a picture of her face on the chart and he can see Sissy's with us this day, this night. Um, she's going to her mum's house this night that's pretty structured it's pretty the same from week to week but then it might change for a reason one week and then I'll keep saying look here Wolfie you know Sissy is actually going to come on Wednesday night instead of Tuesday night this week and he'll know that there's that change sometimes I'll keep repeating it to him and then eventually he'll go you've already told me that mum and I'll go ah good you you realize that so <laughs> that's helpful or it might be you'll need to go to Osh on Wednesday this week because um Omar and Opa my parents are, are away so you'll be on Osh on Wednesday because usually he knows he's going to go to Omar and Opa's after school so you know just repeating those things showing him the picture on the chart it's got Omar and Opa's face or it's got the Osh picture and he knows that that's what's going to happen that's going to help him I find it is better to prepare him for these things rather than to just spring it on him because that's when you might get if he's in our presence it'll probably be some kind of meltdown but if it was um you know at school he'll hold that inside and that's really dysregulating for him and you'll see that come out in his behaviors then and other people around him mightn't understand and that's really really hard to leave him in that space and then again he can be super adaptable and flexible as well and surprise us and we never know we also have a star chart for him so he can earn these stars when he does acceptable behaviors or achieves something and then he can earn a certain amount of stars and then he'll get a little reward and this is like a little motivator for him and we can link it to sort of his passions so his passions that the moment are under the sea and dragons is the new one and a sort of fascination with geology and crystals and rocks and things so they're the things that he's wanting to earn with stars at the moment is like an interesting rock or something like that so yeah just these these little things and we've learned these things over time we've had lots of things suggested to us we'll try things out some are helpful for Wolfie some we'll just leave because they just 
don't seem to make that much of a difference and and it might change over time as well so it might be for a few months one of these strategies is sort of really working for him and then I don't know what happens but something changes and then it's not really useful anymore and we'll move on and find something else or we might come back to it again. Thanks Beck. I can hear all the different types of strategies that you've learnt over time and how some of these strategies have changed and evolved as well. So Beck, what are some practical takeaway messages that you might have for families in supporting their children? You know, it sounds like you've learnt a lot from Wolfie's experiences but you've learnt a lot as being a mum as well through this you know journey that you're on at the moment and what are some key things that stand out for you that might be helpful for other parents like you said I have learned a lot but there's so much I don't know and I do not at all feel like an expert about this but and you know what's going to work for your child and your family won't be like a textbook example I always hear that saying you meet one autistic child and you've met one autistic child you know every every kid's different I can describe things that work for Wolfie and they're not necessarily going to work for another neurodivergent child at all there's there's such a, a spectrum there so in saying that you know your child better than anyone so definitely trust your own instincts get that team of support it's just so important look after your own mental health because you need to be the best version of yourself to be able to support your child one of the things I found quite tricky along the way is coming up against other people around Wolfie and their understandings of what he might be going through you know we're talking about behavior as communication and you see whether it's in the school setting or if it's like with some friends or family you know people frowning upon his behaviors because they're seeing them as naughty or whatever and we're always thinking oh what's he what's he telling us you know and it's a different way of 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 framing that I guess and everyone will be at a different place in their understanding and granted go back three years I didn't have the understandings I have and I might have looked at some kid behaving in some way and not realized that they had something going on there so it does help to sort of educate the people who are really there in in your child's life they need to know as well but you need to sort of be compassionate to where other people are at with their understandings people's misconceptions or assumptions of what they think a a diagnosis or label should look like can be really unhelpful for families when they're trying to make sense of what their child is experiencing and how they're going to support them and you might hear some really unhelpful kind of comments you know you get that one or isn't everyone on the spectrum a little bit and or you know oh he couldn't be autistic he's you know too articulate or too affectionate or or he's only a little bit autistic and and these things are sort of really hard to hear but I think they come from this place of where autism used to be seen and that's why I find thinking about neurodiversity really helpful because it's a sort of really amazing description of what neurodivergent people are experiencing. I think it's just good to be compassionate to where other people are on their understanding of what your child's going through and if you can bring them along on this journey then you've got another support there so it might be a bit of work in sort of encouraging these understandings around neurodiversity and it might feel hard but 
I think it's worth it when you know that that's, that might be someone that can be on the team for your child. Were there some things, Beck, that you've done that have working with the team around Wolfie that have helped bring people on that journey with you? I think so. We share the strategies that are shared with us. Wolfie's OT always sends her feedback to his teacher as well as us. For Wolfie, he's got his OT and speechy coming into class at school. He'll have in-class sessions, which can work with other children around him. Also, even just sharing articles or links to useful information that frames the experience that Wolfie's having in a way that we would hope other people would see it in. Beck, for parents listening today, could you reflect on your own parenting of Wolfie and what you found most helpful? It's been so important for me to prioritise what's most important for Wolfie a particular time I think I talked about you know we engaged with the service and then we just had to leave it because in the bigger scheme of things sleep was a bigger thing than diet and you, you know that and then you can just just tell the professionals you know what what's going to be the most important thing to work on with your child at any point in time and if it's too much to engage with a particular suggested strategy or service for you to go we can't do that at the moment. Or even, you know, you might decide to try something out, a strategy or a support. They can be really hard to stick to as well, I think, and it mightn't fit for the child, but also the rest of your family, especially with the complexities that do exist in family. Wolfie's one of my children and I have two other children who are in my home as well. There's the dynamics between siblings. You might have other children. There's sometimes competing preferences and they these needs to be taken into account you need to think about parents capacity you might be at one place your partner significant other might be at another place you know then there's other things you might be potentially impacted by you know sleep deprivation or other life stresses and extended family friendship supports or or lack of these can all be sort of factors step families blended family dynamics children's developmental stages and where they sort of sit next to each other cultural considerations there's a whole lot of complexities that sort of also impact how able you are to implement a strategy or engage with the support so don't be too hard on yourself is what I would say like and that's a bit rich coming from me because I am hard on myself and I'm like oh there's all these things I need to do but if I'm getting stressed out thinking about all the things I'm going to need to put in place for Wolfie it's likely stressing him out because he's going to have too much that he's feeling like he needs to work on and he has said to me at one time he had one reflection about the amount of things that was wrong with him and that really struck me I thought he's thinking he's got all these services coming in it means he needs fixing and that was such a hard thing to hear so you got to pair it back when you have a comment like that from your child you got too much happening and keep it simple he's just a kid like any other kid and he needs time and space to be a kid. It's been really insightful how you've stepped into Wolfie's shoes at different points in time and experienced what he's gone through. And I, you know, I think about that process of the diagnosis that you talked about and, you know, even how he's navigated different services with you alongside you and your family and what that might've been like for him. You know, how did he show you how he was feeling at different points? Did you notice that through things that he was doing or saying absolutely like we've said behaviors communication he'd show us with his behaviors we would go to an appointment 
and if he didn't want to be there, he'd do a runner. He'd be halfway down the street and I'd have to chase him. You'd have to lock the door when you're in on an appointment because he will try and escape. You know, what speaks louder than that? And I just feel like I'm very closely connected with him and I feel like I'm feeling what he's feeling. You know, if he's in an appointment and he's doing things that would be seen as naughty, he's trying to tell you something, he's trying to detract from the other experience that he doesn't want to be a part of. Kids can be so adaptable to neurodivergent kids, other kids, but we can put so much effort in planning out how we think will be the best support to engage with around something for Wolfie. And then he'll just completely surprise us. get the OT to do these social stories for him, like something building up to something. We think, oh, this is going to be really hard. And then he'll just do it and it won't be an issue at all. Um, And maybe that is some of that preparation we've done. But also, I think, credit to the kids who were really sort of flexible and adaptable. Things for Wolfie, like getting a haircut, getting vaccinated, going to a birthday party without us being there. Like, these are things that he's had social stories created around and then... He just went and did them. He just blows me away. He's really an amazing kid. Beck, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful reflections and insights today and those reflections of Wolfie's as well. And I know many, many families across the country are going to be listening and connecting with the core experiences and messages that you've shared today. So thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au forward slash families for a wide range of free information and resources to help support child and family mental health. Emerging Minds leads the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health. The centre is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.